0: Hello, and welcome to yet another edition of the Pop Bonsai podcast. I'm here with my pop pod partner, Travis Ratz. Oh. And today, today we're going to, we're going to talk assimilation. We figure, uh, we're talking and about like the, bo- cre- the Borg from Star Trek. You know say? <laughs> That's that word is so ominous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But we are going to talk about cultural assimilation. Um, And we're going to do it in uh, three parts, as per usual. We're going to start off with a film uh, called Stranger Than Paradise that came out in 1984. uh, The old Jim Jarmusch uh, picture. And we'll move on to an album by a band that I actually haven't heard that much about called uh, Google Bordello and their album Super Taranta. I know I, I didn't do that right. I said that with like a d- Spanish d- d- It was great. And this is not necessarily going to be in this order, but and then we're also going to talk to or we're going to talk about uh, a poem called uh, Looking for the Gulf Motel by uh, Richard Blanco. Hmm. So Hope this sounds fun. because uh, I had a lot of fun absorbing all this stuff this week. None of this I've ever seen or heard. Um this was pretty much Travis's uh uh picks, which is great. I oh, love it. I see, I, love getting- I see
1: what you're doing here. You're sure. playing all <laughs> on the early. Yeah.
0: No, see, um it's a good thing because uh I really like being introduced to new older things
1: yes yeah yeah, know, yeah
0: yeah so much out there that i'm like oh i should have seen that it's so great but you yeah know, i
1: haven't i'll be that way next next episode because i haven't seen your your the main course on there um yeah so we're we let's pull back the curtain a little bit here because i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you something uh jay i wanted <laughs> Here's what I wanted. We started this pop bonsai podcast. I was like, "Oh, here's some movies that I want to revisit, and I can put that in kind of the sets that I were kind of building." And sometimes we build sets together. And I remember loving this. I like Jim Jarmusch. I, I, I'm a big Jim Jarmusch fan. Not like a super fan, but yeah. I enjoy most of his films and have seen most of his films. But I haven't seen Stranger Than Paradise since I was in college. It was one of the movies that I was introduced to in my one of my independent film classes, like as a freshman. Oh. And and I hadn't seen it. I maybe I saw it another time in college. So I maybe seen it twice for that, but it it has been, oh, 16 years. And so I just was like, well, I wanna I want Jay to watch this movie. Cause I I don't you you've seen the movie now it's not a like just hand it off to anyone and watch it kind of movie uh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. so I was like <laughs> all right well how do I build a set around this movie and so we originally called this set the immigration set because in my head it's been sixteen years I'm like this has to do a lot with immigration uh, and then I watched the movie I actually watched it uh, once and a, half, uh, a time and a half here in the last week and I was like oh this doesn't go as well with that and then i was listening to the gogo bordello album uh and looking at his poem i'm like you know what this is really kind of i think our conversation is going to be more about cultural assimilation than it is about immigration so i think that we'll be able at least those are some of the patterns and some of the language that that kind of struck me when looking at this picture so as we start off here um uh uh castro castro what is that? Is that is that, mm-hmm. that always? Is that always? How long has Castro been in America? That's a good question, man. Yeah, I don't know. How long has your family been? Uh, are you? Oh, my family. Yeah, you know,
0: yeah. I like the name. <laughs> <laughs> Um It's been. Um, so my grandparents immigrated from uh, from old Mexico, and so yeah. So it's just my mom and myself that are. Natural born. Okay.
1: Okay. Do you do you stuff? Is there any kind of family connection to Mexico or do, did you ever go
0: with oh, yeah. your mom? We still have, no, we still have lots of family in Mexico. In fact, we used to go every summer back to um, Sinaloa and um, oh, Chihuahua. Sinaloa,
1: Ch- oh, Sinaloa and Chihuahua, man. That's some rough territory down there, brother. <laughs> it is now. Well, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't. No, yeah, it, it wasn't. It's just the. That's just the media's portrayal of it in America. We think of Sinaloa, we think of Chihuahua, and we think of, you know, like, oh, that's where everything comes from. But I taught in uh, Phoenix, and I had a lot of students from Sinaloa and Chihuahua. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that'll be interesting. I'm going to bring that back up when we talk about Stranger than paradise because i'm going to ask you if you ever had any relatives from Mex- mexico visit you and what that experience was like showing them around
0: oh, oh that <laughs> happened quite a bit <laughs> yeah yeah
1: so let, let's go ahead and get into our main course here which of course is a 1984 film by jim Jarmusch, uh stranger uh than paradise i i i always pause on that because i'm going to call it stranger than fiction strangers in paradise but it is stranger than than Paradise, um, and had yeah. you you had, you had not seen this film before, but you had seen other Jim Jarmusch films. So, what what are your thoughts on Jarmusch?
0: I I like Jim Jarmusch films a lot, and and you're right. It's not it's not they're not films that you can just say, oh hey, you liked you know Captain America, go see this. You know yeah. this is a good movie. It's they're very. You have to kind of know how to, and I, I, dude, I, I so don't want to sound pretentious here. Yeah, but it's go ahead, Jay. Different... Like, like preach, brother, man. Like, tell him, please
1: mansplain Jim Jarmusch to me.
0: <laughs> no. Well, I just, I, just... the way I feel, I, I have to be in the right mood to appreciate movies like this, which, mm. which yeah. means they're not, they're, they're, they're very character based. They're, they're very atmospheric and it's just something you have to put on when you're kind of in a in a chill mood and you're ready to just just absorb the film the 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 just the scenery as much as the characters and you know you can't be preoccupied with like proper plot advancement Mm -hmm. or Or a plot in general at all. Yeah. Really? This is not a popcorn
1: movie. Jim Jarmusch movies are not popcorn movies. They're coffee and cigarette movies. Also a movie by Jim Jarmusch. Uh, yeah, it's like one where you're like sitting. And I think that's why they tend to be pretty popular for, uh, people in, in film school or if you're making films, because there is a really pretty good template for, uh, how to make a film on a low budget here. Um, I think he actually got the original um, to to film the original short because this was a short movie first. Uh, so, yeah, and it, the the beginning of this movie is it all takes place in kind of one apartment, and that was the original short film. And he got the uh, extra film stock from a very famous director, uh, Rebel Without a Cause, Nicholas Ray. I believe was shooting something. He had extra film. Leftover, I believe it was Nicholas Ray. I'll, uh, I can double check that, and gave it to Jim Jarmusch because uh, film is gold. You know, if someone gives you so much film, then you'll shoot a film if you're a filmmaker. And and he shot that, and on the uh, the merit of that, he was able to actually uh, get some more f- uh, film and and make it a, a feature length. And it's still a pretty short runtime on on this film, uh, but I thought that I. I, I we, we we've we talked punk before jay on other podcasts and uh, to me uh i think that's what i like about jim jarmusch he just screams garage band punk rock you know yeah i
0: thought the exact same thing when i was watching this i'm like it's just it's so minimalist it's just it's it's the way it's shot and it's it's it doesn't even necessarily it's not necessarily about anything really um, like a lot of punk songs, you know, I mean, geez, I mean, some yeah. of the Ramones songs, it's like, you know, it, it lyrically, you're like, what? Gabba, Gabba, we, Gabba, we, except you're one of us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's funny that you, that you said that. Cause I, I kind of thought that too.
1: And I always love that in my pop culture. I like, I like everything that shouldn't be as good as it is. Uh, I like, mm-hmm. I like a movie that, um, you know, exceeds low expectations rather than meets high expectations. Honestly, I think. Uh, mm, if that, if that makes sense, and I don't even know if it does. But let me write that down. I like a movie that exceeds <laughs> low expectations as opposed to... Oh, I'm running out of ink in my quill. Uh, you are talking about pretentious <laughs> earlier. Well, uh, Jay, I, I, I tend to lean more towards cinematic cinema that uh, jumps the bar as opposed to lowers the bar. Um <laughs> Okay, so anyone who's watching this film, and I, and I feel like this film in general is, man, because it had been 16 years since I watched it, and in watching the first 20 minutes of the film, which was originally that short film, I was like, uh-oh, what did I like about this film a lot, you know? And <laughs> there are certain films in pop culture where it you have to digest the whole thing in order for you to actually savor it uh and and this, I think, is one of those films for me where uh scene for scene, nothing is there are some striking scenes or some some good scenes, but it's really taken as a whole does the film come to life uh and mm-hmm. it, it, it's it's a bit this film we said it with uh I think I said it last episode with American werewolf this film was a little bit haunting as well i, I found myself yeah. uh turning it off and being like okay well that was my rewatch and then for the next couple of days thinking about these characters thinking about the style of the movie thinking about some of those shots as well because everything the cameras put on stilts and that thing does not move uh you yeah, know yeah. uh and i <laughs> i have never seen so many blackouts in my life um something like 40 bl- t- black title cards uh Mm-hmm. It's just a collection of 40 or so still scenes, or maybe even more than that, 70 or something like that, but just still scenes interspersed with title cards. So how did, before we start talking about the assimilation part of it, how did the format of the film, because you don't see that very much, and some might say it's lazy filmmaking.
0: Um, No, I I don't feel like that at all. And in fact, I think... You know, another comparison I want to make with with punk music is, I think a lot of people make the mistake of saying, "Well, oh, punk music is is, is so simple, and and it's so you know, there's not a lot of complex parts with it. It's easy. Only you know morons can do this." But the truth of the matter is, to make a good punk record, there's a lot of key elements that you need, and. Um, it's actually very difficult to make a, a good punk record, and I, I feel like it's the same way with with m- movies like this because it's not like just we'll set up the camera and, and film my friends. You know, there's there's a very unique combination of dialogue and do the actors have the 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 a mixture of charm charisma yeah and and even like magnetism to pull this off do are you gonna are people gonna be drawn to these characters in some way and and kind of enough to to care about what's going on and it's kind of like the same thing with punk you know you you need attitude you need passion style you need like a, a style right and, and charisma and, and a magnetism all mm. the same way. Otherwise, it's just it, and almost you know, a in its raw, Almost annoyed. in its
1: raw form. You could tell, I mean, you could tell magnetism when it's been put through a bunch of Hollywood filters. And that could still work. I mean, James Bond is a magnetic character. Uh, but there's something yeah. about... You know, almost like taking these people off the street or in this case from the band Man. Sonic Youth, uh, which our two our two two of our leads are from, which is crazy, which I did not register until this viewing and looking at the film a little more, realizing that our two main guys were in the band Sonic Youth, which is much more punk rock
0: than that. You know, I didn't know that. Yeah, I know. The yeah. one guy was the one guy was uh, I recognized him. From uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Did you, rem- he's you remember? He's from. Is? Yeah, he's the car guy, and he's also
1: in Mario yeah. Brothers as. Uh, remember the old Mario Brothers movie? He's yes. like one of the
0: villains and, in that. And in one other thing, I don't remember what, but little bit character. Yeah, he was the guy in Fer- Ferris Bueller's Day Off where he where the, he was the garage attendant. Where he goes, what country do you think we're in, or what kind of country do you, or what country do you think this is? When, he, when Ferris Bueller asked him if he spoke English. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So
1: that um, is, we're, we're talking about um, uh, Richard Edson, uh, and Richard mm-hmm. Edson was the uh, original drummer to Sonic Youth. Let me pull this up to make sure that I don't much really? now. He yeah. So, weird. yeah, he was Sonic Youth's original drummer and played drums for the Conk at the same time. After the release of Sonic Youth's self-titled debut album, Edson left the band to play with Conk full-time. And the other guy, our actual main guy, it's a a three-parter, but his name is John Lurie. And John Lurie uh, uh, founded the Lounge Lizards uh, Jazz Ensemble. Um, So two musicians. John Lurie is also, of course, in Down by Law, another Jim Jarmusch favorite film of of mine. Uh, And he he brings that kind of punk rock style and charisma that you were talking about uh, a few moments ago to this film. Uh, he just seems so natural and just like, what a find, you know? Um, yeah. You can sit in these moments. So, all right, let's get into this. Let's talk about some assimilation here. So this film uh, follows, let me get my characters right here. Uh, uh, it starts off and we are actually, it, it follows the three characters. Uh, and that is Willie, uh, Ava or uh, Eva and Eddie. Uh-huh. And, so uh, Willie lives in Brooklyn. He gets a call from his aunt. His aunt's like, hey, listen, his aunt, you know, from Hungary, you know, he's uh, a, Hungar- a G- Hungarian, probably first generation or American. His parents were probably immigrants or maybe he was even born in Hungary and assimilated early in life. And he gets a call from his aunt and he's like, hey, your your, your cousin, uh, is it Eva or Eva?
0: I think it's Ava. Ava. A- I don't
1: know. Yeah, yeah, I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, here on the cast list, it's uh, uh, EVA, but um, yeah, they're Ava. I believe it is Ava as it's well. It's Ava, yeah. And Ava comes straight from Hungary for her first time in the United States because she's going to go live with her aunt. But before she can go to Cleveland, she has to stay with Uh, Willie, for 10 days. Uh, We meet his best friend uh, and huckster partner, Eddie, and then Ava leaves to go to Cleveland, and then we pick up with the film a year later where Eddie and Willie go to Cleveland to visit Ava you get to see this this Cleveland scene and how Ava's doing. And then the three of them take a trip down to Florida where they get into a couple of shenanigans in Florida there. So <laughs> if it sounds like there's not much of a plot there, because there is much of a plot there. It's kind of like a Hangout movie, but not like a Linkletter or you know Kevin Smith or even a recent Tarantino Hangout movie. It's literally just the camera is hanging out around these people and you're watching them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, so first of all, Willie was not happy at all that Ava was was uh, gonna stay with him for for ten days. Um, yeah, he, he was, I thought it was so weird that he got that call from his his aunt. Yeah, and like he, even though apparently he understands Hungarian, he didn't want his aunt speaking it to him yeah which i thought was really he weird. doesn't want anyone speaking to him yeah um he says on that
1: phone call he says i don't even i'm not i don't consider myself part of the family you know because she's asking for this favor as a family member and he says right there in the first five minutes i don't consider myself part of this family and then we don't hear what's being said until he finally agrees uh and i love it because his reason is i'm busy i got a life here and what we what we find yeah. out is he has absolutely nothing to do uh yeah and, he's got nothing going on <laughs> and then we cut to ava coming in and this uh very one a very famous shot from this film is ava walking the streets uh of Brooklyn for about five minutes to a Screaming Jay Hawkins song, which repeats over and over again this film because it's the only tape she has in her kind of speaker. So it's so it's 1984, okay? There's no such thing as a hipster at this point. Uh but it is the prototype for it because Screaming Jay Hawkins was not that that song now has some clout to it, but in nineteen eighty four that wasn't yeah. like a we're digging this out and this is a cool song now. It was right. it was just this weird song choice for our character in this movie and it's all in black and white this movie so you see her walking through the streets of Brooklyn uh straight off the the plane uh and to the song of screaming jay hawkins uh i put a spell on you and uh uh and then she gets to the apartment and you have this whole 20 minute uh apartment scene so what do you think and this apartment scene is where we really get to see some of the assimilation happening. This cultural assimilation. What do you? What is Eddie's? What, what do you think um, Willie's response is to having? Why does he not want her there? Do you think?
0: You know, I, I'm not exactly sure. I, I I started thinking. Well, he he seems like the him and his. He only hangs around his one buddy. Um, and sometimes I think, you know, he's, he's the kind of guy, he doesn't have any responsibilities. He he wants to do what he wants to do, like when he wants it. Like he's just like a, like an impulsive dude. Like I said, no responsibilities. And I think he thinks Ava is going to be just this huge pain in the ass for him that he's going to have to, you know, show her around and, and take her with him to whatever they do. You know, that there's a scene where um, he's watching football and she's asking all these questions about it. And he's getting really frustrated having to explain it to her. And he's like, you what, know what? The, what does the just quarterback the do game. on defense? Yeah. Uh, what the, happens if if the, the quarterback, quarterback doesn't do play, play defense. <laughs> and, yeah. And she's, you know, and he just doesn't want any part of it. He just, you know, or, Here's another one of my theories. Um, it just, he he obviously doesn't want to remember where he came from. Right. And I think being close to family, because Ava's straight from the airport, from Budapest, it reminds him of where he came from, and he doesn't want to remember. Right. He's so harsh. Um, and like you said with his aunt, like, the first thing he says to
1: her, she says, hello. And he's like, hello. And then she starts speaking in... Uh, hungarian and he's like english we speak english here only speak english here you know come in yeah. right and he's really harsh right off the bat really not not nice um but what, what this reminds me of uh, what I, this first part of the movie is so claustrophobic it's in this tiny apartment
0: it's this kind of shitty apartment very bare yeah i can't believe you use that word because i i had that word locked and loaded yeah. for a little bit later well, guess what jay yeah, i got to it first sorry <laughs> wow Um, okay anyway sorry and
1: uh to me if you are hosting someone from a different country there is a babysitting quality to it and no Mm -hmm. one likes to babysit especially someone this character's age and this character is a cool hip character the way he dresses is not of 1984 like you said he's kind of like he's not he's not he's eventually what the talking heads would kind of assemble the style to, but he's more like, I see like kind of being like a, like a Sinatra kind of like he's, he's a hipster of a crooner in the 1980s, you know? Uh, and he looks snazzy. He's got things to do. He's got horses to bet on. He's got poker games to play. He's kind of just grifting through life. He doesn't want to babysit. And even though she's not a child, because she's from a foreign country, he treats her like a child, because yeah. I think one of the things with assimilating, and which is what I really loved when you go to a different country and you're going to live there for the first time there you do spend a lot of your first days or weeks or months kind of in this antechamber where it's you only you you kind of find your safe place and then you'll go out and explore, explore bits at a time because to take it yeah. all in is too overwhelming, and luckily. Well, I mean, I don't know if that's good or bad. I mean, just, you know. Um, but that's kind of how she spends her first days is in this antechamber of Willie's apartment. And her only kind of ties to America is what she's watching on TV and what Willie is telling her, truthful or not. There's a great scene we get to, we'll we talk about in a moment where—well, I was just talking about it now. There's that great scene where she's vacuuming. Where's your vacuum? Uh, it's dirty. And he's like— uh, Vacuum is it's uh, uh, it's too formal. It's uh, we we say it casual. She's like, how do you say it? She goes, uh, in America we say uh, choking the alligator. And she, <laughs> and she knows that she that he, he gets the way the actor prays, She's like she, but she's like glad that he's being nice to her and stuff like that. And she's like, okay, I will choke the alligator. And they kind of have that <laughs> moment there, you know, uh, on there and in this kind of antechamber. And so it's a nice kind of decompression place for her. To absorb American culture and kind of, you know, she there's another great scene where she learns about TV dinners. That's a great scene where he's just eating yeah, his teeth yeah. and you can hear him chewing. And she's like, Where's the meat from? And he's like, I don't I don't know. It's just meat. She goes, It doesn't look like meat. He goes, Listen, Ava, I got my meat. I got my potatoes, I got my vegetables, I got my desserts, and I don't even have to do dishes afterwards. This is how we eat in America. Uh, and, it, <laughs> and there's something so sad, but familiar about that scene as well, that strikes me, oh yeah, if you're from a different country, especially 1984, this is like absurd. You You know where your meat comes from. And also, cigarettes have different flavors depending on the brand and what part of the country that brand was created in. And no pack is the same because they're packed by, you know, Probably mom and pop farms uh, across the country, um, and yeah. and so she's just kind of taking that all in.
0: Yeah, you know, one of the things you mentioned. Yeah, you do. Uh, I agree with you because um, I remember even going to Mexico um, as a kid, and even though we went every summer, yeah, you're right. When you go there, you you have like a your your comfort zone expands a little bit. She, I I agree with what you said, but she almost was like, there was parts that where she didn't seem like she was afraid at all. I mean, she went, uh, you know, uh, he warned her, Willie warned her, like, hey, don't go past the street because it's really rough. Um, And she's like, hey, I can take care of myself, man. You know, and she she comes back with like a trench coat full of like food and cigarettes. That she shoplifted from who knows where, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that was kind of the thing that that kind of broke the ice with them. Kind of like he finally was like, you know what? I guess you're not all that. You're bad. not. You're not <laughs> a child.
1: I don't have to babysit you, right? Yeah, He realizes yeah. that this isn't some dumb. He, 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 I think he thinks of his country as a first generation or uh, or something like that as. Uh, unevolved or not equipped to handle this and she and he finds that oh no like this person is well equipped to handle the chicanery uh even in, mm-hmm. in Brooklyn which was a hard city at that point and and that's where he has that mutual respect he even like kind of like shakes her hand and is like you're all right kid kid you're all right you got to be." Yeah. and he has that and then that before it goes black he's like damn like he's just realizing he it. goes like damn like i was i was wrong about that one uh yeah
0: yeah, that was a cool scene I which like
1: leads that. to the uh him kind of being sad when she leaves and the start of act uh 2 which is um him um and Eddie going to visit her in Cleveland. So what do you think about the Cleveland scenes because it's a year later we meet Ava again after she's been in the states for a year. How do we see her assim- her assimilation?
0: The Cleveland scenes were the the parts where I felt claustrophobic, probably because it it was shot in, in black and white, and it was like in the dead of winter in Cleveland, and there was just snow, and everybody was always bundled up, and I'm like, there's something about this that's just... Confining for Is that some reason. Great they, joke where they go to the the lake and it's you can't yeah, even see. Yeah, they go to Lake Erie.
1: Yeah, you can't you can't see even past the dock. And she's like, yeah, normally it's uh, it's not always like this.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's 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 like a, this snowdrift. It's like white out everywhere, and and uh, uh, Eddie's like, it's really beautiful, and she's like, yeah, it's not always like this, and she couldn't see anything, you know, yeah. but yeah um, early, anyways, early so- on in the movie eddie was like
1: where are you going she's like i going to cleveland he goes, oh beautiful city beautiful city she goes you've been no no i haven't been <laughs> yeah, he has it twice <laughs> and it's so it's not but it's so <laughs> subtle like you have to watch this movie twice to laugh at it almost because the first time you're just yeah. getting inoculated to the style and everything but the second time you watch it you're like that's that's pretty fucking funny um <laughs> and then eddie has this very t- interesting line they're sitting out by the train tracks they've been in cleveland for a couple of days and eddie's like it's funny you know um you go someplace and you you look around and it just feels like home feels like it just feels like the place you left you know because they were in the middle winter in brooklyn and now they're in the middle of cleveland and it looks like it could be shot in the same place
0: yeah same urban you know setting okay
1: yeah like suburban urban
0: kind of yeah just bleak bleak yeah yeah and, and, and you know the funny thing is you can kind of use that word to describe a lot of this movie yeah um you know cuz that's kind of what it boils down to their lives are pretty much going nowhere her life is pretty much going nowhere it's they just lift they just live off one scam after the other yeah you know they, when they when they meet her in cleveland she's
1: working at a hot dog restaurant you know, yeah. like this, 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 uh, first year immigrant working at this American hot dog place. And then the, the, the best scene in the movie for me is the movie scene where they're in the movie and they're watching a Kung Fu movie and it's a date she's on and Eddie and, um, Uh, who's my main guy? Willie. Willie. uh, go Accompany her to this date because the aunt insists they go because she's very old school (laughs) and traditional. The aunt is a great actress. It just seems like they just got someone right off the boat. And they're sitting on this date and they're all just kind of watching this Kung Fu movie for like four minutes. It's just on a reel. The Kung Fu is on a (laughs) reel. And they're just watching it for like four minutes. So you get the American hot dogs. You get the film. But they're not out exploring America. They're just consuming Uh, the pop culture and the music and it's that, but I mean, they could be anywhere in the world, but so it's, it's weird. She's assimilating, but not through taking advantage of maybe everything that America has to offer, but really just being content. And she, with consuming the pop culture and working the minimum wage job.
0: Yeah. There's that really, I laughed at that line when they were dropping off her boyfriend. And um, Eddie's like, you know, see you, Billy. Thanks for paying for us too. <laughs> oh, he's uh, Eddie's so great. Like, he's got oh, that
1: man. that kind of bobcat golf weight kind of uh, yeah. uh, voice on him. Uh, yeah, uh, thanks for paying for the movies, and uh, yeah, it's great.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: um, no, it. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh okay, no, yeah. I was I was gonna I was gonna say, and then it, it really takes a a. a, a it's by contrast, when they go down to Florida and they do a long drive down there and you get to see a lot of that drive to Cleveland, you'd see a lot of the drive. And then from Cleveland to Florida, you get to see a lot of the drive. And at that point, it does. They're all assimilating at that point. In fact, when they get to Florida, they all buy glasses, you know, yeah, they all buy sunglasses, sunglasses and sit in there and kind of different outfits. And they and of course, what do they do when they get there? They do the same thing they do in every place. They put themselves in a chamber. They go right to a hotel room, and the, uh, all, almost every shot in Florida, except for a few uh, exterior shots, um, is in this hotel room.
0: Yeah, and, and here's where everything kind of starts to fall apart. You know, they're kind of getting sick of each other. You know, before, um, Eddie and Willie had kind of good luck pulling off their scams. Now they get to Florida, and, and they have a streak of bad luck. They, they lose all their money. Bending on a horse track. Or was it dog? Was it dog Dogs. Dogs. Yeah,
1: I think we're we, dog. feeling dogs. I think we're dogs. Oh, man, I don't want to be on dogs. <laughs> no, I got a feeling. I got a feeling, Willie. I think this is, you know how you have those feelings?
0: It's so great. <laughs> and, yeah, and they're getting sick of each other. And everything's starting to fall apart, getting really tense and uncomfortable. Um, so, at right when... Okay, so, so I don't even know how to keep going. But at the at the at the high at the lowest point uh, uh, for Willie and Eddie comes like the highest point for Ava because now they're kind of just trying to like they're trying to treat her like crap because they don't right. want her there. They can, they think she's a kind of a pain well, in the butt. Because and-
1: Willie, no, he. They, I think they generally like her, but. As as much as Willie has assimilated into American culture, there's still a traditional male old country role in how he deals with Ava, as far as, you know, what he allows her to do, what she can and cannot join them in. She can go to a movie with them, but she can't go to the dog tracks. Why? Because we're working. You know, this is...
0: Didn't he say something about girls are bad luck? Yeah, he like, he's got this kind of...
1: It's a very older brother, younger sister yeah. uh, relationship going on there. Um, and it feels it's, very old yeah, world so, to me in some ways.
0: Yeah, I guess so. You're, I guess you're right. Yeah. And so, yeah, so they make, her stay, they make her stay at the hotel room. And she's sitting there bored. And so she goes and, and she goes out for a walk. And, like, the weirdest thing that I did not... I could, Ex Machina to the ninth degree, yeah. Oh, <laughs> So she's walking just down the street in this hat, and this dude just comes up to her and thinks she's somebody else and hands her a big, fat envelope full of money and takes off. And so she's sitting there holding this envelope, and she's like, uh... And she goes back to the hotel room and looks inside and sees all this money and decides, you know what, I don't need these two creeps anymore. And she leaves them some money and she takes off uh, back to, to Budapest.
1: Yeah. Uh, but she ends up going to the airport, but she ends up not taking off to go back to Budapest. Uh, right. She, she, she has, she, it's like, oh, it's almost like she had this, well, I'm successful now. Let me return home. But when she's at the airport, she's like, well, maybe that's not why I came here. I mean, it's tough to tell. Does she feel bad about betraying Willie? Or is it because America is now her home? Yeah. What did you think on that?
0: I kind of thought that she felt bad about the way she left things with them. Um, I... I mean, I could be wrong, but obviously, I mean, probably am wrong. <laughs> but that's kind of the way I thought. I thought it was more like of a personal thing mm-hmm. with them. You know, like, well, maybe I was a little too harsh kind of thing. Yeah. You know, maybe I should give these guys another chance. Um, and
1: the guys feel that way about her as well, because when they come in, they see yeah. the, the money she left them and a note. They go to the airport and to kind of like rally around because they, now they're they've won a lot. And it echoes back to when they're in the apartment when he's playing solitaire and he's like, Man, I've been losing all day. And she's like, I've been winning. You know? And so yeah. they go to kind yeah. of like bring her back into the crew. Uh and uh this is back when I apparently you could just like like walk to the departing gate whether you're going or not. But he had she was on I know, she the was good on a plane. So you had to buy a ticket to Budapest and he gets so, assuming soon he gets on the plane, we see a plane take off. We have Eddie on the ground by the car, and he's like, oh, that's not good. And as the plane takes <laughs> off, he's like, what are you going to do in Budapest? Uh, and then we cut to, uh, we find that Ava actually did come back to the hotel room. So, now it is, uh, it's, it's kind of come full circle now. Uh, apparently, Willie will have to be the one who he has to assimilate, at least briefly, unless he just gets back on the plane, which I'm sure he'll do, uh, to uh, Budapest. Like the, the, the person who wants nothing to do with uh, Hungary the most is now on the way to Hungary.
0: So why do you think that happened? What, do you, what, what are your thoughts on Willie going to, to Budapest? Yeah,
1: the the things with films like this is there's so much you can put on them. You could do a lot of work. You could do a lot of work for this film. Um, And that's what's so fun about it, in my opinion. I love, you know, your imagination goes wild. Especially with all the still imagery, everything seems like a symbol at this point or a metaphor. Uh, And I wonder if, you know, I guess one way for the assimilation we're talking about is uh, no matter how much you try to leave. Your country behind, you will always be pulled back to it in some way. Like you can't run hmm. away from that. Like, uh, and he can't run away from it. He tried at the beginning, and then Ava comes in and reminds him a little bit of, uh, kind of like he sees himself in her. Uh, but uh, but what he would have been if maybe he had stayed and been raised there, and he realizes, hey, you know what, maybe. She's kind of like me, and she grew up in that place that I'm trying to get away from. Maybe it's not the place mm-hmm. that shapes you as, as much as, you know, these other things. Just being young and, and, and kind of this kind of hustler mentality that seems to run in the family. Uh, and then he runs away from her again to go to the dog tracks and abandons her again. Uh, and only to be, for that sin, to be pulled all the way back in. You know, it's like, oh, <laughs> if you're not going to take your dose of your medicine, we're going to hold you down and inject you with it uh, <laughs> in the end of the film. So, I mean, that's one way you could look at it. I mean, there's a million ways.
0: Yeah, yeah. I see I see how, how that can definitely be part of it. Um, yeah, I, the, the thing I kind of thought, like, first of all, my first uh, thought was, uh, did he mean to be on there, you know, was he still looking for her? When yeah, it like took how off? does that
1: work? They're what? like, uh, Era, close the door. Sorry, you can't get off. You you think you would feel find a way? Yeah. And what he doesn't have a passport and, on him.
0: Oh, that's right. It's not like he carries a passport. You know, on.
1: He doesn't seem like a kind of guy who, who would have a passport.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then I started thinking about, you know, maybe that time he spent in Cleveland with his aunt. And like you said, with Ava and started thinking, well, you know, my life here is going nowhere. You know, I've got, you know, my huh. my loser friend, Eddie. Maybe it's time to start a new life somewhere huh. else, you know. or Maybe it's start Cash a new adventure. He and, is
1: spontaneous like that. He was spontaneous in going to Cleveland. He was spontaneous mm-hmm. in going to Florida. So it does. He's a very. ah. that's interesting. I never even think about it like that. Um, just like the way Ava probably left hungry to come here because she probably felt like things are going nowhere we've just reversed it meaning that your destination isn't isn't your it's not the destination that calls you it's the the need for change that causes people to immigrate sometimes also there's asylum and all other kinds of reasons but when you're just kind of a, a young person in a culture like sometimes it's not you're not forced out or anything like that it's just like man like i just need to change i need to see get out of the grind i need to get out of the rut uh that's interesting
0: yeah yeah that's kind of what i was thinking yeah i like Um, that
1: i actually like that interpretation better than what i was thinking about it yeah i do it's 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 on it's on brand for for a willy for sure
0: yeah and so do you think eddie and ava ever met back up Oh, uh,
1: you, Eddie's sniffing that girl out. That... Eddie's totally sniffing that girl. You think Eddie's so? Eddie's <laughs> Eddie, Eddie's got a thing for Ava for sure. And now that Willie's not th- there, at least temporarily, it's time for him to make his move.
0: I think they'd yeah. be a couple. I like
1: to see those two kids get
0: together. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. And, and it was really cool that I don't know for some reason I liked that her boyfriend in Cleveland was like seemed like a nice guy. Yeah. You he know, was, was, she's it's not, so
1: awkward on that date and he's just like trying to like he does the popcorn and and Eddie's so into the film. He's like, I'll take some of that popcorn and just <laughs> their faces are so great uh, that I would I would put that like on a eight by 12 poster still somewhere like in a frame. Just that for them.
0: But yeah, it's because she wasn't um, uh, naive, you know, it, it's like. I think that's a lot a, a mistake. A lot of people think about when when people are new to this country or can't speak. And they, oh, they're naive. They don't know. But she definitely wasn't that. You know she she had her opinions. You know I, I thought it was awesome when when Eddie gave her that or Willie gave her that dress, and she's like just right to his face. She's like mm, I don't like it. I think it's kind of ugly. ugly. Yeah, I think it's ugly. <laughs> He's like, well, put it and,
1: on. I bought it for you.
0: Yeah, and, yeah. So she, but she puts it on and then she like puts it in the garbage when she leaves. But so she's cooler, she's
1: cooler than Eddie. She's like, this is what I, yeah. if you if come here, you need to wear what they're wearing. And she's like, no, I'm cooler yeah. than this. And by having yeah, like, it's not the, her boyfriend be so American looking and like fresh face American, and he ador- like seems to be really enamored by her, and and he treats her like she's the coolest thing in the world because she is cool like cool doesn't you know america didn't create cool you could be it's not it's 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 an internal thing uh and she's from you know wherever place in in hungary and she's cool out of the box cooler than eddie is and so i think eddie is kind of a little bit pissed off about that or like that kind of pisses him off like i'll teach you how to be cool she's like man i'm cool already i don't need your damn dress
0: yeah yeah i I think and i think what makes her cool is that she likes what she likes and she doesn't care what other people think. Whereas Eddie is the opposite. You know, I think he, you know, wears the clothes he Mm -hmm. feels will people will think is cool. Like, you know, even that part with the screaming Jay Hawkins song, you know, he, Eddie hates it and she puts it on and, and he's like, Oh, this really is, you know, like not good. And she's like, she said something like "Screaming Scream Jay Hawkins is a bad man, so you yeah. bug off." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, or when, even with the kung fu, the kung fu movie, um, when the guy's like, "Hey, you want to go see this sci-fi movie?" She's like, "No, let's do kung fu." Yeah, you know, she's cool. she got her opinions. In. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: All right. Well, should we move over to some Gogo Bordello? Sure thing. Super Taranta. I'm gonna let you go ahead, and since this is your uh, uh, first or you haven't listened to them that much, give your kind of prior listening experience with them.
0: Um. Okay. So I have heard the name, uh, of course, of that band Gogol Bordello, and they're from New York City, and the the lead singer. Uh comprised this band of other immigrants um, in out of new york and their this album in particular is on side one dummy which is uh, uh like an la label uh bands like the casualties are on there flogging molly uh gaslight anthem and um this album in particular super tarant super taranta uh, came out in 2007. It was uh, number 14 on uh, Rolling Stone's uh, best of 2007 LPs. So, I mean, that's that holds some weight, and it's a, it's a pretty critically acclaimed record. And I, I've read a little bit about them. Um, never really heard that much, but. The description of, okay, so everybody calls them gypsy punk. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a, I think that's pretty spot on because yes. there's, there's a lot of, a lot of accordion and a lot of violin just it's like pirate punk flaming too. Flaming out. Yeah. Yeah. They're I, think of,
1: I think of it like gypsy pirate punk. There's a lot of pirate yeah. uh, uh, ideas and, and themes and sounds in this.
0: Yeah. And it's definitely not like, when, when I think of gypsy, I think there's like a, and forgive me, I don't mean this this to sound like, you know, any, any kind of racist overtones by anything, but I do think of the typical movie gypsy where there's kind of some seediness yeah. in there. You yeah. know, there's some, there's an outlaw element mm-hmm. yes. and and I think this, this music kind of captures that as well. Um, which is which is that makes it that much cooler. But I want I want to know how did you first hear about this band?
1: Oh, you know what? I think I might have seen Eugene, the lead singer at Huts, uh, uh, in that Elijah Wood film based on that Fran book, uh, Everything's Illuminated. Uh, uh-huh. And he was he was in that, and I was like, this character is like he he this actor is just stealing the show. He's so. Uh, captivating and, and eccentric and uh i the I, I there's some songs in that soundtrack I'm like this song is cool I'm like, oh wait, I looked it up and I'm like, oh, the guy in the movie actually is in the band that does a lot of these soundtrack songs, and I'm like, this is a cool band, and then I went to it and i- immediately, it immediately hit so many things for, for me, like you said, that kind of outlaw sound I love um kind of that automatapias I love the vocal drumming they do. I love that ranta danta danta dan or like simpa da you know, like that. That yeah. feels very percussive to me. It also feels very foreign and of uh, almost like polka esque. And it's also the things yeah. that remind me of ch- a punk chants. Like um like agnostic front oh, i gotta gotta go gotta 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 go you know that i love that like i say that piratey, like yo ho ho type yeah. music that chanting it just feels like they are trying to communicate energy not through lyrics or or screaming but through this kind of cadence i love that kind of cadence in their music uh and so everything was mm-hmm. just so catchy and and fun um but also a little bit mischievous a lot mischievous i should say yeah
0: yeah um it's the music is uh, okay so some of the lyrics that i can make out um are are there's there's a message in some of these um especially in the in the song tribal connection um so you listen to the 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 instrumentation and it's it is it's very a lot of it's very fast it's very theatrical um and and i think it's really cool that he he puts um you know some some pretty poignant lyrics in some of these songs um like i mean some of them aren't like because uh, so, well, two of my the, my favorite songs on here were were Tribal Connection and Wanderlust King. Mm-hmm. Um, what you know, Wanderlust King is kind of pretty much what it is, what the title says. But um, yeah, so I thought it was pretty cool that that he, in, he in tribal, puts in some, some Tribal of that Connection.
1: Element. It it has that um, uh, no can do this, no can do that. What the hell can you do, my friend, in this place that you call your town?
0: Right? Yeah. Um. That's pretty punk, too. Yeah. That's almost...
1: <laughs> and there is... It's almost as,
0: like Clash lyrics. As
1: kind of like, you know, he's from the uh, Ukraine, and there is this, in all his music, there is this longing for the purity and the joy that he finds in Ukrainian culture, but he doesn't like the oppressiveness of some of the rules and laws in that kind of Eastern Bloc culture. So it, it, it's, it's, it's interesting that, you know, when they, they go to Manhattan, and they become this punk band, and he's this kind of, you know, uh, immigrant to the United States, uh, that you, you hear in the song American Wedding, uh, where he laments how Americans throw a wedding. He says, have you, have you ever been to an American wedding? Where's vodka? Where's marinated herring? Where's the souffle that's got the taste? Where's the supply that's going to last three days, right? And for, he even vocalizes it, like I said, for in Ukraine, the wedding is da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da-da-da. And then at the end of the song, he goes, make sure your wedding doesn't end up like this. And he goes, do to to do he brings it all down to to <laughs> and so like just in the way he does that, you show like in my culture, like we celebrate this way Da-da-da-da-da. in your culture, you do a wedding this way which kind of goes with the uh and but at the same time, in some of the lyrics like tribal connection you know, he talks about kind of these not, uh Nazi esque things. I think it says here, um uh uh come on, is that real so much to ask from all these goddamn Nazi feudals? I'm going to take it to the community because I want to I want everyone to see there uh, never was any consp- you know, it's there's some po- political stuff in here as well. So um it's a real kind of mesh. And I think a lot of people assimilating different cultures, um, some people want to cast off everything from the place they've left. Uh, and other people, uh, they're looking for an opportunity, but not necessarily looking for a new identity or culture. Uh, and there's, both of them are are appropriate ways to come into it it's like no i want to i want to leave everything behind and i want to take on we're going to see that in a little bit of that poem that were well i thought we were reading mother country so that's the one we we did but we'll talk about that in a moment (laughs) that's in that one but yeah like the idea of how much you take with you and what are your reasons for leaving a place and that affects how willing you are to assimilate and how much you assimilate Uh
0: That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I never really um, understood people that want to, I mean, I totally get trying to keep your, um, your identity and, and the parts of the culture that you love, because even like the Hispanic culture that I grew up in, um, there's a lot of stuff that I love that I don't see in in you know a popular American culture, and and but I don't get just completely shutting yourself off to that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I always had fun doing both, you know, and and sure, there's certain things you know like you're talking about like like weddings, um, stuff like that. That's just so radically different. Um, but it's still fun
1: right you know like that's a, exactly that's what event, i was like as man. i was saying that yeah, yeah as
0: i was saying that i was thinking yeah quinceaneras or something that you know don't exist really yeah you know i guess sweet 16 is the yeah the but in quinceanera like it's not
1: over until the last uncle passes out at like 6 a.m <laughs> the morning
0: you know yeah yeah there's a lot of a lot of drinking in in well, at least the way I grew up in family yeah. events, even in kids' birthday parties, it, it was more like of an excuse for the adults to get together and just drink. You yeah, know, with the kids' birthday, it, you know, it's kind of a side thing.
1: What did you think about the song "Hotter in Tuscany"?
0: Um. I don't know. I don't remember. So
1: in, in this well, one, one it's, it's, it's interesting. It's Bam 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 Bam. Tuscany. But in this, he says, "Yo, Uncle Sandro." How do we really know? But seems like politicians can be only wrong. So in this, like he talks about Uncle Sandro, and there's a theory here that that's just kind of like a colloquial thing in Ukraine for saying Uncle Sam, and it's kind of about. So you can read the song as someone who leaves you know, their home and goes to America and gets dumbed down and then comes back to their home country. And everyone just looks at them like a dumb person because of the way they they walk and the talk and the things they say. Um And so they assimilated to American culture. And then when they came back, they are just kind of like the
0: the moron. <laughs> <laughs> I That's interesting. I, I don't know. I, I don't think I, I paid that much attention lyrically. Yeah, the to
1: lyrics because uh, you have to, it's a, the accent is very thick, so you have to like I had to read the lyrics because uh, I had listened to that song uh, many times, but I never knew what it was about. I'm like, let me look at this song, and I, and I was like, oh, there's some interesting things going on in this song.
0: Huh? That's funny. Yeah, that I. Uh, I don't know. I uh, that that whole theme um seems to be very i I mean even in in my culture that's prevalent because you know so it's kind of like like when you 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 come from someplace and then you go back like you know and, and then like like especially Hispanic Americans when they go back and you your Spanish is bad Or, you know, and people get, you know, that's, you know, that's a huge thing in in our culture is um, Hispanics that don't know how to speak English or don't know how to speak Spanish. You're, you're looked down upon quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, I imagine so, yeah. Um, so it kind of reminds me of the same thing, you know, or or when you come back and your Spanish is all broken, yeah, and everyone's like, uh, you know, what the heck, what's what going on? What do they do to you? Again? Yeah, yeah. Well, well, before we move on to the poem,
1: I think this album has you know, it has a lot of traveling language metaphors, like Wanderlust King is, of course, I think the, the big track from this this album. Uh, I'm in the Wanderlust King, cool I stay song. on the run. Uh, and there's a sense of these people. The gypsies in general have to adapt cuz they're constantly on the move. This is a culture of assimilation. Um you know, mm, I grew up in you know. I'm an American, I grew up in different different cultures my whole life uh and one of the things that an unintentional byproduct of that is I can pretty much get along with any group. Like any I I can kind of read that and then adjust myself to fit into that whether it's something more urban or if out, out west so the cow- i can talk to cowboys, i can talk to gangsters uh you know you kind of adjust yourself to that because you know living in in two different cultures and then visiting other cultures you just when you've been doing it since you're a kid you you just get used to assimilating and on the larger stage of a country, but also on the smaller stage of social groups. So, you know, I work at a school and there's different factions of teachers and I can just I'm like the man who walks between worlds. I can sit and eat lunch <laughs> with the, the the lunch ladies over here and we can have a good time and I'm accepted there and there. I'm just gonna toot my own horn. No, but I mean there's very few you know things that you're like, oh what are your internal schools skills? I'm like, well I can't draw. I'm not really good at this stuff, but I can assimilate pretty well in the things. Um, but sometimes that comes at a cost of, I wonder, I'm like, Oh, I wonder, am I not being my authentic self because my assimilation button is just so triggered so easily, even on podcasts, I go on someone's podcast and I'll just assimilate into whatever style their podcast is. Uh, And I wonder, you know, I'm like, Oh, that's, that's, I'm like, I'm glad I have that ability, but I wonder if sometimes, you know, There are some people who are themselves, no matter what situation they're in. And I'm envious of that uh, as well.
0: That's really interesting. Uh, No, I I definitely think that is a quality that I wish more people had. Mm -hmm. Um, Because that's one of the things, especially like like a management style, you know, people always say, you know, don't try to bring people into your box you have to step into theirs um and i really like that about about people when they can do that and i i have a similar um mentality because yeah i you know when i'm in the the mood when i feel you know like it i i yeah i can get along with most people of of different walks of life and that's because like i like my my feelings and my i am so i sometimes i feel like i'm not even the same person from one week to the next mm-hmm. even from like one day to the next and i'm like boy i envy people that are this mm-hmm. and this is who they are and their 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 beliefs and their you know on all are unchanging that's kind of like you know, that, do,
1: like uh, a willy in in uh um the film yeah. yeah yeah yeah
0: you know you go through life like a like a friggin', you know like a boulder unchanged uncompromising and i'm like i kind of envy people like that. that that's it's but me it's like i'll read something i'm like huh that's interesting. I read something and I was like, "Huh, well that's interesting too." <laughs> yeah. You know, um so I, I I get what you're saying about yeah. that for sure. Speaking
1: um, speaking of of reading, we did a little reading, a little bit of reading this this week cuz we, we did poetry and one of the typically poems tend to be a little bit shorter. Uh and this was a a, a poet that uh I I have I'm I'm not a a, a huge poetry hound. I have some issues with poetry. Poetry is to me (laughs) is kind of like photography where the problem with it is, um, it is one of the highest art forms of written writing. Uh, but it's also one of the most accessible for anyone. Uh, meaning that because of its lack of a specific form, um, You can string together some pretty words and call it a poem. And if people don't know what they're looking at, they can, they're like, oh, it is. And I guess that's fine. Uh, Then you have a bunch of people walking around calling themselves poets. And then you also have to read a lot of shitty poetry when you're an English teacher because people want you to read their poetry. And you're like, well, there's, you're not using any devices. There's no form here. And you're like, well, poetry doesn't have form. Like, no, the genre of poetry doesn't. But you should know what you're doing. there should be
0: some <laughs> yeah, sense of stru-
1: there should be some sense of structure in this that is working in the background of the language uh to highlight your point. You're just focusing on pretty words, and that is a very one dimensional poem is the imagery and the language you're using. the rest of it is sound and form and meter and and verse and and structure there's so much stuff and so it's like people painting, giving someone three colors and they paint with it. Ph- ph- Photography is like that for me, too, where it's like now that cameras can kind of just take great pictures that we've kind of lost the art form of what makes uh, a photograph extraordinary piece of art, like the work behind it. Uh, so, I, I, so I tend to not follow a lot of poets uh, and I kind of stay out of that world because I find as I get into it, I'm like... Sigh. I don't know about this, uh, but I, I, <laughs> our 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 poet that we looked at um, was Richard Blanco. who is a contemporary poet, uh, and he is uh, first generation Cuban. His parents were from mm-hmm. Cuba; certainly, his mother was, uh, and so a lot of his poetry tends to bring in some of that cultural heritage, and it tends to be a lot about assimilating or uh, being a first generation uh, American. Uh, from different roots, in this case, uh, Cuban Cuban roots. Uh, so I sent you two poems. I sent you "Mother Country" uh, and then uh, what was the other? shoot? I forgot. I had it pulled up here.
0: The um, looking for the Gulf Motel. Looking for the Gulf
1: Motel, and you read both of them. Which one stood out to you that you want you want to talk about?
0: Um, I looking for the Gulf Motel kind of stood out for me a little hmm. bit more because, um. It's the, the whole thing of, uh, uh, can you go home again? Mm. Um, and, and kind of like the, the nothing gold can stay kind of mentality, uh, and, and f- theme, I guess, if you will. That I that I all for some reason i I always gravitate towards stuff that has that, those elements mm. in it. Um, me too, me too. There is that. So, yeah. what, you're, what
1: you're getting at here is there's this line that kind of threads us through this poem. It's not a long poem. Uh, uh, well, let's actually let's take a let's take a actually a moment right here. Let's listen to that poem right now, uh, and then we'll come back and talk about it. Looking for the Gulf Motel by Richard Blanco, Marco Island, Florida. There should be nothing here. I don't remember. The gulf motel with mermaid lamppost and ship's wheel in the lobby should still be rising out of the sand like a cake decoration. My brother and I should still be pretending we don't know our parents, embarrassing us as they roll the luggage cart past the front desk loaded with our scruffy suitcases, two dozen loaves of Cuban bread, brown bags bulging with enough mangoes to last the entire week, our espresso pot, the pressure cooker, and a pork roast reeking garlic through the lobby. All because we can't afford to eat out, not even on vacation, only 2 hours from our home in Miami, but far enough away to be thrilled by whiter sands on the west coast of Florida, where I should still be for the first time watching the sunset instead of rise over the ocean. There should be nothing here, I don't remember. My mother should still be in the kitchenette of the Gulf Motel, her daisy sandals from Kmart squeaking across the linoleum, still gorgeous in her teal swimsuit and amber earrings stirring a pot of arroz con polo, adding sprinkles of onion powder and dollops of tomato sauce. My father should still be in a terry cloth jacket smoking, clinking a glass of amber whiskey in the sunset at the Gulf Motel, watching us dive into the pool. Two boys he'll never see grow into men who will be proud of him. There should be nothing here I don't remember. My brother and I should still be playing Parcheesi. My father should still be alive, slow dancing with my mother on the sliding glass balcony of the Gulf Motel. No music, only the waves keeping time. A song only their heads hear 10,000 nights back in their life in Cuba. My mother's face should still be resting against his bare chest like the moon resting on the sea. The stars should still be turning around them. There should be nothing here I don't remember. My brother should still be 13, sneaking rum in the bathroom, sculpting naked women from sand. I should still be eight years old, dazzled by seashells and how many seconds I can hold my breath underwater, but I'm not. I am 38, driving up Collier Boulevard, looking for the Gulf Motel, for everything that should still be, but isn't. I want to blame the condos, their shadows for ruining the beach and my past. I want to chase the snowbirds away with their tacky mansions and yachts. I want to t- turn the golf courses back into mangroves. I want to find the golf motel exactly as it was and and pretend for a moment. Nothing lost is lost. Okay, so you've heard the poem at, at, at this point, so you're with us. You're in the same boat as us. And, uh, you know, one of those structures, that kind of what Jay was getting at before we listened to the poem about... Uh, you know being able to go home again there's that line that that threads the poem there should be nothing here i don't remember to me that 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 i thought was a really nice thread through that there should be nothing here i don't remember there's nothing extravagant about that language very simple but wow it packs a punch yeah because there is a bitterness and a loss in that when you go back to those places, whether it be a hometown or a place you vacationed, there should be it, it, the way it's structured in the poem. It's almost like there's. Sh- it's almost like there should be nothing here I don't remember. Like what the f- what the fuck happened here? Yeah, like you stole something from me, America, progress, evolution. You took that. Uh, And that, to me, felt like it it was kind of admonishing, but also reflective and nostalgic in the poem at the same time.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think everybody has those moments when you're like, you know what, I want to go see my childhood home again. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you take girlfriends or children or whatever to your childhood home, and there's a there's always that certain element where a part of you goes you know gosh you know as much as i want to stay here this is so different you know, okay so i I'll, let me tell you a little story i don't know if i if i told you this or not so the place i grew up was in central phoenix and it was a nursery, like a citrus nursery. And it was a couple of two or three acres in the middle of Phoenix that was a citrus nursery and had a few houses on it, ours included. It was my grandfather's and my I was raised by my grandfather and my grandmother. And on this nursery, I had a few houses where the workers and their families all lived. And that's where I grew up. I Um, Grew up among all these other families and these other kids didn't speak any English. So when I started school, I didn't speak hardly any English. Um, I understood it by watching TV um, and stuff like, you know, like the cliche goes. Um, And so um, after a while um, my grandfather couldn't run anymore. And so he sold it off And it was sold to different nurseries. And eventually, a developer bought it who um, completely transformed. Well, actually, let me me take that back. He didn't completely transform it. He um, made the property into a kind of a community space. He he put a restaurant. He put like a, a, a neat little... Uh, like a park and splash pad. And he put uh a, some like a candy store and a deli. And it's just a fun, a coffee house. So the fun little area for the community come together. And he did a really good job of preserving um, my family's legacy in this property because he was very interested in preserving the culture uh, of, of that area of that space. And so he kept my house and all these restaurants and, and stuff that I was telling you about, they're the original structures, he kept as much as he possibly could of them mm. on purpose. And so I walk through these friggin' places and I see the mantle where I used to hang my Christmas stockings in the middle of a crowded restaurant. Um, i look I go to another house and I see the my where my friend's you know living room where we used to play all the time the exact same tile and front even the one of the doors he he kept the same as much as he could he kept the same and it was it's so extraordinary that he 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 went through so much to to preserve this kind of because he could have mowed down the whole thing and built everything new but he didn't he kept he kept as much as he could around there. So it's it's really strange for me to visit my childhood home because it's there, but it's not. <laughs>
1: it's funny because that you your know? home is where like you kind of learned it was kind of like you're we talked about that chamber before as you assimilate. It's it's allowed you to kind of have that that historic culture there, but it as a safe place and and, and, and but then you also got to, you know, watch television and go to schools and you know uh, you know all that and then the actual place because it was under uh good guidance assimilated into american culture in a way that preserved it and also that respected it
0: yeah how, how oh, is it he, now
1: is it still is it still the same
0: now oh yeah dude yeah. he 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 had such a respect for the history of that of the of that space um i mean he even put like this plaque that had my grandfather's story on it um wow you know how how he you know uh came to to own the the nursery you know his just basically like this plaque with like his legacy on it yeah. and, um it's just it's great man i, I couldn't have asked for anything wow better! Yeah, I, I love that them. That does not happen very much tell you the truth yeah um, if you when you come here next
1: summer i'll, I'll take check you it there. out that'd be cool it sounds great it sounds like a great place to hang out uh there is in this poem too what i like about it is uh and this is a lot of richard blanco's uh poems you'll get the the very american terms almost corporate terms like they you know Kmart is mentioned in this poem but then also you'll get like traditional spanish meals and he'll throw in yeah. or you know the spanish language at parts so it's it's always a, a nice contrast to see very traditional uh native language mixed with kind of yeah. bra- like brand uh On brand, Kmart, they, yeah, Kmart, Kmart or and might... arroz
0: con pollo. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: and, and he'll, and he does that a lot in his poetry, and I think that's really good. It kind of shows the assimilation of the old world and/or language with new kind of corporate American structures. Uh, I think that is, it's always, I think, especially for assimilation in America. Uh, other countries you assimilate to, you come from a traditional country, you as- you move to another traditional country, you're just learning the new traditions. But when you assimilate into American culture, like you are smack dab in the middle of like you have to come face to face with this huge corporate culture. So you're not only getting used to American culture, you have to understand what it's like living in a corporate country. Uh, and that is very jarring, I think, from for people who come from much more traditional-based cultures and they don't have that, that kind of big business and industry that is such a part of what mm. American culture is now. Um, I mean, uh, you see that when you see Ava working at the hot dog place. You know, this is a girl from... Who knows where in, uh, in Hungary? And now she's working at a hot dog chain and going to a probably a theater chain movie. Uh, I think they even talk. They, were they talking about like what theater they were going to go to? Or and I, I don't. I don't know. But yeah, I like. I that's. I I don't think about that when I think about people who have to assimilate into American culture. It's not just the culture itself. It's the whole structure of how America is set up, which is very kind of different than a lot of places you know places yeah. like england is probably the same and australia and a lot of these western-based countries but that's only a small percentage of the world
0: yeah you know uh, especially from you know somebody that's that's because the, the places we used to go to in mexico were very very poor mm-hmm. um so there wasn't a lot of you know like mexico city now um which is like you know there's have most of everything i mean it was it, yeah like you were saying they go from a culture of of like uh tradition and and like just like the essential parts of life the survival to something that's so like a consumer culture
1: yeah and, and it's so different yeah um, consumer culture is, about, is a better way to say that yeah you, you nailed it
0: yeah, like, you know, suddenly just priorities just, you know, go north and south. Yeah. You know, it's it's like, you know, you're like, okay, so now, like, so now I'm supposed to care about, you know, uh, this music? Why does you well, I gotta buy, I gotta, <laughs> wait, I, care have, about I have to buy those particular jeans
1: or else it's yeah, gonna yeah. affect how people view me?
0: Right, you're right. These shoes that, you know, I have to have yeah. this haircut, I have to have, yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas
1: opposed to if you move from like Thailand to Malaysia, there's certainly going to be cultural differences, but not that huge, like a whole different way of interacting with the world. I guess I don't mm-hmm. know. Maybe it could be, but at least perspective. yeah, <laughs> maybe um, now. Yeah. <laughs> so well, that's interesting, man. I, I was really curious on how this, this set was going to go. Um, yeah because we sometimes we'll pick lighter fare like werewolves and, and talking about something like cultural assimilation <laughs> through pop culture i mean you know it really just shows you that you know pop culture you can can bring forth you know hour-long conversations on kind of sillier stuff like werewolves and also uh stuff that you know is a little bit more heady like cultural assimilation and uh uh things like that so that was good i, I really enjoyed this set me
0: too definitely
1: so, uh, if you enjoyed uh, this set as well, don't worry. We have more coming out every two weeks. We have a new set, which means we have a new kind of big theme. And then, three or so new uh, types of media to explore that theme. Some of them uh, might be uh, small indie movies like this that are part of American pop culture that you don't know about, and some of them might be big blockbusters. But what we're going to continue to do is try to string them together and and use them to kind of evolve a conversation. So uh, if you're a purist and you want to consume all three, you can always go to our site, popbonsai.com, and check out what's coming next and, and view and read and all that listen along with us. Uh, you can go uh, to our site on Facebook, pop bonsai on Facebook. Uh, what's our Instagram one? Uh, pop bonsai podcast. There you go. So there's plenty of places to find us. If you think you have a great set, uh, uh that you're like oh it would be cool if they did this send it to one of those uh forums and uh yeah like the, I think it's it's fun picking a set but it's also fun jumping into a set that you 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 don't know you haven't consumed any of the stuff which I think I'm going to yeah. be in in that world next week uh, as we talk about some of our uh her family set here um so uh we will see you on the next pop wave Buzzer!